0: Very grateful to be back here. I was here last year uh, without Sarah. Uh, This is a, a time for us as we are making certain adjustments in our lives. One of that is to buy a house, and we are jumping in at a time. It is the most inopportune moment to buy a house. But be that as it may, we have to do that sometime or the other. So that's one of the reasons we are back here, and also because of my particular ministry, which involves raising a lot of money, and I'll share about that, what that entails. Um, but I'm grateful to Pastor Brett and to Tom and Tanya for navigating me, uh, especially as my presentations involve um, some security issues for our Arab missionaries, so we, I made them run through lots of changes uh, on Thursday because of that, <clears throat> but I think we got it okay, so I'm grateful to Tanya and, and to... Um, I want to thank you, dear friends, for your faithful support of our ministries in the Middle East. Uh, without support from individuals and churches, we will, all, we will not be able to remain in the Middle East and carry on the task that God has given us. Uh, my wife Sarah has her ministry uh, among the migrant domestic workers. Lebanon imports or bring in uh, women from Asian and African countries to work as maids in the homes of Leban- Lebanese homes, and she has a center for ministry called Insaf, Justice and Compassion of Jesus. And so, with your indulgence, I'm going to focus this morning on my ministry. Um, so, sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Usually she's not here, so I kind of get away with it. <laughs> um, you know, I sent a right middle of the night, I think, a, a, a link to the short video. It's a short video of one minute and 24 seconds, uh, which talks about um, ministries in the Middle East uh, because of the particular nature. This video is called a safe video. You will find it on our website uh, without betraying any names and faces. It's a kind of a general video which tells you something about the extent of our ministry in seven Arab countries. So let's watch that. Then I'll come back and we'll continue after that.
1: The vision of enduring love is an Arab world that seeks Jesus and embraces the good news that God loves and cares for them. Our mission is to introduce Jesus to the people of the Middle East and North Africa, to make known His saving love, to disciple and establish communities that will be rooted and sustained. We believe this is best done by servants of God that know the environment where they serve. Enduring Love supports 26 Servants of God in seven countries in the region. Four of them are engaged in business and mission. Our partners in ministry are engaged in running more than 300 home groups and impacting thousands of people, many of them refugees. They are sharing their faith and discipling the next generation of the body of Christ. Many are encountering Jesus through visions and dreams, and his love and compassion are touching the hearts of many. Enduring love seeks to cross borders and change lives, sharing the love of Jesus through words and deeds. This is the moment of greatest opportunity. Will you come along our side and support us?
0: Too many moving parts today, so bear with us. Um, this is the, um, as you can see there, enduring love is a, is a phrase that we put together based on Paul's uh, tremendous exhortation in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on love. And we put together, and out of that comes this whole love that is enduring, that persists, That doesn't count wrongs that goes the second mile. And we think this is the appropriate way of dealing and addressing the concerns of the Arab Muslims. How do we share the love of Jesus Christ in a way that is affirming and not in a way exclusive? So we named our organization as Enduring Love. And uh, part of our ministry is crossing borders, changing lives. And that's what gospel is all about. That's precisely what Jesus had exhorted his disciples. Take the gospel to the utmost parts of the world, crossing borders, transforming lives, crossing countries, crossing cultures. That's precisely what we are trying to do. That's precisely what we are also trying to do in our churches. We have our own culture here, but how do we get out of our cultural Kind of environment and reach across, even within the environs of uh, Salem, or even beyond that. There is a cultural, cross-cultural way we deal with sharing Christ, um, no matter where we are. Oh, okay. You see, uh, I am uh, far away from technology. <clears throat> so this is our mission. Is, is to seek, uh, reach the Arab world, and to seek Jesus, and to embrace the good news that God loves and cares for them. Our mission is to show Jesus to people of North Africa and Middle East, to make known his saving love, to disciple, to establish communities that will be rooted and sustained. We believe it is best done by those who know the language, culture, and the environment in which they are making an impact. This is gospel by the Arabs, for the Arabs, through the Arabs. The nature is not that we don't need expatriate missionaries, but we do need them. Very much so. But in the area of evangelism, discipleship, church planting, we believe Arabs need to be in the forefront. And as they live, committed among their own communities and share the good news of the gospel. So um, if you go... Okay, this is too small a map, but if you can strain your eyes, you will see the entire map of Middle East stretch across the globe as it were. If you were to spread the globe, this is what you would see. Uh, This is called, uh, by the way, a 1040 window. It's a term coined by mission strategists about a region of a world that is located between 10 degrees to 40 degrees north of the equator, which is purported to have the highest socioeconomic challenges, least access to Christian gospel, and Christian resources. So this is, in many ways, a neglected part of the world. And uh, MENA region, Middle East and North Africa, the acronym is MENA, MENA region consists of 22 countries and a po- combined population of almost 300 million people. Stretched from Morocco in the west, uh, on the Atlantic coast, as far as you can go on the west, and all the way to Yemen and to the Arabian Sea and the Indian Ocean to the east. So you have a vast area of 22 countries. And if we include Israel, it will be 23 countries. Um, This is um, where we are engaged in. I'm located in Beirut. I'm working through a Baptist church called Resurrection Church of Beirut. That's where we locate our outreach, who receive our funds, administer our funds, and to disperse the funds to seven countries. So, we are a six-year-old mission society, very, very new in comparison with international ministries, which is more than 200 years old. And we know how well international ministries has been ministering faithfully. Uh, Gospel has been planted in every continent of the world through the missionaries and the servants of God of international ministries. They established churches, Started schools, medical clinics, hospitals, eye clinics, agricultural uh, institutions, theological schools, nursing schools, training centers. I mean, they have ministered the gospel through word and through deed faithfully across the world. Gospel has made an impact in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, and we have witnesses, living witnesses generations of missionaries have faithfully sacrificed their lives in taking the gospel we have here uh, Miriam, Ed and all the people in Africa and and so in a way it is an amazing uh, uh, story of that started 200 years ago actually more than 200 years ago and continuing on faithfully so gospel has gone out through international ministries. But it is wonderful to see that Calvary is now engaged in our ministry. You've been supporting us. As you have been engaged through the noises and those whom they have left behind in Congo who are continuing their ministries. Those who are being supported through the ministry of Chapman in Africa. Borquis in parts of Asia through Melinda Bates, through Latin America. So you have, in many ways, covered all the important regions of the world where gospel is being taken. So I want to thank you, dear friends, for your passion for mission. And this is also very important, is a period of world mission offering. This is a time of the year when all the Baptist, American Baptist churches, raise funds for the world mission offering as it goes and is used very faithfully and effectively in distant parts of the world. And I want to thank you for your passion for mission and for support of the World Mission Offering. We are proud to be the heritage, carry on the heritage, of uh, pioneering missionaries like William Carey uh, at an IRM Judson. By the way, I grew up in the home of William Carey. My bedroom, my brother's bedroom, was the room where William Carey died. I don't know whether it's good or bad. <laughs> if you don't know who is William Carey, he's called the father of modern missionary movement. He is an Englishman. And he took the gospel. He was the first Baptist who took the gospel. And as a result of that, Judson from North America went to be mentored by William Carey. And William Carey said, look, guy, you go to Burma. I'm here in India. You go to Burma take the gospel, and from there it spread to literally all parts of the world. So I'm proud to say Calvary Baptist is a pioneering movement of supporting our ministry in Middle East and North Africa. So we are now in the vanguard of a new movement of taking the gospel to a part of the world that we have neglected. We have neglected for too long. Sarah and I are the first American Baptist missionaries are appointed to Middle East and North Africa. So we thank you for this great sacrifice that you are making through our ministries. So that uh, is the map of the countries in which uh, seven countries we are, um, there are some challenges we, we have in this part of the world. I already talked about the numbers, 22 countries. 300 million people. By 2015, there will be 550 million people in Middle East and North Africa. Remember the number. I had said this last time when I was here, that in a small country of Israel, with a population of 6 to 7 million Jews, there are 2,000 Western full-time missionaries in Israel. And you compare that with the Middle East and North Africa, with 22 countries, 300 million people. And I try to quiz people and say, can you guess how many missionaries there are in this vast 300 million people of Arab Muslims and 22 countries? Can you venture to guess? Well, 1,500 full-time Western missionaries in this vast land in comparison with one country of Israel having 2,000 missionaries. So there is some disconnect. People don't seem to be getting the call to go to that part of the world. That's one reason why we believe in the area of discipleship, evangelism, church planting, Arab believers must be in the forefront. That is really my desire as I take the gospel, that we don't neglect the region. We don't neglect the region. And this is what Christ to take to distant parts of the world. So this is where we are. And another piece of nugget there is that there are as many Muslims in North America as there are Jews in North America. And yet we don't think of the Muslims even in, in the U.S. as somebody with whom we ought to engage ourselves, build relationships, build bridges, share the good news of the gospel with them. Middle East is a region that is caught up in crisis and that's the, you see on the right side is a huge explosion on the, um, uh, in the Beirut port. Exactly on the 4th of August last year, the explosion took place. We just concluded one year um, anniversary of that. 200 people were killed, 300 homes destroyed, several people injured It's a a, a tremendous uh, challenge of political crisis, economic crisis, um, opposition of persecution of Christians, and this is a region going through tremendous uh, events that are all coinciding at the same time. They're coming. The currency lost its value by about 85 percent. There is a COVID pandemic. There is political crisis and Lebanon is endemic with that kind of a disease, a political uh, crisis that we have. And yet through it all, there is joy. And as Tom talked about, this is a moment of opportunity that whenever we feel the world is spinning out of control, take courage. That was the period Jesus came into the world when it seemed to be spinning out of control. And he gave us a message of hope. That is the good news. Gospel means the good news. The good news is that even in the midst of crisis, the story of Jesus Christ is inexorably moving forward. Let me share with you Saul's story of a farmer in the region of Hama in the northern Syria. Hama is essentially a Sunni region ruled by a minority Shia. Hafez, are Bashar al-Assad is a Shiite. 15% of the people ruling over 85% who are non-Shiite through brutal force. And that's what's happening in Syria. So Hama region is is perpetually regarded as opposition to the President uh, Assad. Therefore, they are always suspected of being part of ISIS groups who rise up and start violence. So they periodically bombed them. So one day, this is a story, a true story, a farmer from Hama region had a dream. And in the dream, he saw children playing in the fields. And a little later, is he saw in his dream an airplane coming down, swooping down, and the children scattered in all directions. And the planes dropping the bombs. And two children ran up a tree. Then he woke up. And before he woke up, he actually saw the vision of Jesus Christ appearing in one end of his eye corner and moving all across to the other. He thought, amazing that Jesus actually, he saw somebody called Jesus. But he woke up and he found out he was actually a dream. But three months after that, there was an incident almost similar to what he had experienced in his dream. When the planes came and bombed, the two children that ran up the tree were his own children who survived. He picked up his children, all the belongings that were left in his house that was bombed. And he came to Lebanon as a refugee, asking people, who is Jesus? Jesus saved my children. Tell me about Jesus. This is a story we are seeing again and again, people encountering Jesus through visions and dreams. But in reality, that is happening in their lives, opening the doors. We have more people that are accepting Jesus Christ in these times of crisis among the refugees than at any time. We had baptisms, you will see a little later, among the Kurdish people. 31 baptisms in one Sunday. It's an amazing story how God is moving among the Muslims in the midst of all the crisis. What we see is the joy of the gospel going forward. So we have 26 missionaries in seven countries. You already saw that in the video. Four, actually we have five missionaries doing business in mission, or sometimes people say business as mission. uh, Impacting. Uh, almost 1, 150,000 people and 350 home groups uh, all over. These are the missions. We are involved in many countries. Maher and Abir in Egypt. He's one of those who's doing business as mission. We gave him a little bit of money to start a, a um, he sews t-shirts and sleepwear for children uh, and it's a small business of six people in micro-business. Three of them are Muslim, three of them are Christians, both working together harmoniously. And the local, the local he lives in, in the small village. The local government was so impressed with him, they gave him another cutting machine. For his, uh, for, we gave him one machine, and the local government gave another machine because they were so impressed that he dared to open a business enterprise in that tiny, tiny village. Samir is in the middle. Then Muhammad. By the way, we just say the word Mo as short for Muhammad. Um, That guy, he was a former sheikh in a Sunni mosque in Egypt. He came to faith in Christ. He came to our seminary, educated. He's back in Egypt. His name is still Muhammad. It's not like U.S. where you can go to the courthouse and pay some money and change your name to Mo or something, Morris. or something, <laughs> You can't do that. You, whatever the name that is given to you, you continue to live with it, and you will die the same with that kind of a name. You have Andrea, who is doing amazing work. We just granted him $6,000 to build a church. He is working outside Khartoum. This is a northern Islamic area. And Almardi in the middle has a business of working with construction material. And that's his business enterprise. Very small village economy construction. Don't think of it as Lowe's or something like that. <laughs> it's a very, very low key. And you have Philemon and Julia. Philemon is, by the way, every one of them excepting Almardi are my students. In our seminary. This is what discipleship is. When you disciple, when you train, I'm sure the same thing that Miriam and Ed are talking about. They disciple, they put in place individuals who will carry on. Discipleship is what you impart to others. They in turn discipling others. They in turn discipling others. We, that's how we move the gospel, through individual discipleship. And this is the story, I won't be talking about it, but uh, last time I was here, I shared with you Darfur. This is the two areas of ministry we are moving forward. One is in Sudan, mostly among the Darfuris of Sudan, and among the Kurdish people. Kurds are there as refugees in Lebanon. They are there in great numbers in parts of Syria, and of course, in Iraq. And these are the areas we're beginning to focus among the Kurdish people and among Darfuris. 25 years ago, the lady in the middle was a young lady. She was the head of an Islamic militia, militant group, Darfuri Militia. She was a terror terror. People were afraid of her. She was the only woman who was a kind of an officer in a militia. She came to faith in Christ. Her conversion resulted in many of the Darfuri young people. You see here on the left and the right, coming to faith in Christ. She is called Umm. She is the mother of the Darfuri church, who is an amazing witness who is leading other people for Christ. Um, I think this is what I want to focus a little bit on Amal and Russia. They're in Ain Salta. Ain Salta is a, um, a, a region that is in the mountains of Lebanon where the Druze, a peculiar form of religion called the Druze, Uh, Part of Islam, though Muslims say, they're not Muslims because they believe in reincarnation, which is very much a Hindu understanding. So we're not sure where the cross-fertilization took place, how they came to believe, Muslims who came to believe in reincarnation. Uh, But this is where Amal and Russia are ministering among the Druze. And how do we help them? How do we take the gospel to these distant lands? Russia is the wife of Amal. She has a ministry among the women. It's called I Am a Woman, translated into English. That's the name of her uh, ministry, I'm a Woman, and where she teaches women a lot of craft. They they knit, they cook, they make chocolates and they sell. They do all kinds of stuff. One in the middle of the pandemic, she organized a conference in a hotel in the mountains of Lebanon. And you see here, uh, groups of people. Uh, they are from many backgrounds. Uh, they could be Druze. They, they, some of them are Sunni, Shia, a few maybe even Kurdish women. Um, part of that amazing story of a conference for women is the baptism of a Druze woman who was 83 year old woman. And you see her entering water. Amal is the guy on the right side, pastor baptizing. The one on the left side we think is Yasser. I will tell about his story, Yasser, a little later. And you see this old woman entering the waters. This is a swimming pool in the the hotel where they're having the conference. And she enters the water with her head cover. She has never left her home without a head cover from the time she was in puberty, maybe nine years old. And before the baptism, they take off her headgear, hijab, and she was baptized. And after that's the baptism being administered, what happened was immediately after the baptism, she never again put her headgear. That means for the first time, she began walking out of her home without any headgear. I mean that is an, it's an it's a huge cultural statement for Muslims, those in the Middle East, to go out. Uh, they feel they're naked actually when they don't, the head is not covered. It's not a big deal. We're not asking them to take off your head cover because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. No. In fact we have many Muslims, rather followers of Jesus, who still wear hijab. That is, we don't want to major in minors. We want them to have a heart to love Jesus, to follow him, and to make others show Jesus in their life. And that's really most important, not in these cultural aspects. But this is a statement she chose to make as an 83-year-old woman. that said, my loyalty to Jesus Christ is greater than any cultural affinity that I may have. With my former religion. So I want to read a passage at this time. Um, I wonder if you can also show the video of Amar and Russia. It, I didn't give you enough warning. Is it possible to show? Yes. High up in Lebanese mountains of pine's autumn. Amar and Russia are ministering among the Druze community mostly Lebanese, but also a significant amount of Syrian refugees, both Kurds and Sunnis. It is amazing to see how even in the midst of challenges, church has grown to 45 adults and 50 children. They have a ministry working with the Syrian children. They are sharing with the teachers and the students about the love of Jesus Christ. They are seeing huge changes in their lives, also in the house groups. People are thirsty to know more about Jesus. افضل شيء شفناه بحياه تغيير تغيير داخلي للناس اللي عندنا كانوا في عندهم عطش للمحبه كان في عندهم تعب كثير مع المسيح تغيرت كل حياتهم صار في عندهم تغيير داخلي صار في عندهم علاقات جيده مع اولادهم ومع نسائهم ومع اقاربهم فاكبر تحدي كيف نقدر نوصلهم المسيح مش الديانه المسيحيه نعطيهم المسيح Okay. We, I think, right, great. This is Yasser, who's co-worker with um, Amal in Russia. Uh, this is an amazing story. I don't know how much time I have. Yasser was from Raqqa, Raqqa region of Syria. Raqqa is known as the hotbed of Islamic fundamentalism, hotbed of ISIS. All his family members belong to very... Fundamentalist Islamic movements. He also dabbled being part of the ISIS in Raqqa. He fell foul of ISIS, and ISIS picked on his family and started persecuting them. So he came as a refugee to Lebanon. And you see him here sitting, uh, helping uh, Amal in his ministry, uh, working in the, in, in the Druze mountains there. Uh, Part of his ministry is to take children. And you will see him, I think, I don't have, I think. There is a slide of him driving children. That's it. Here is Amal and his wife in the front and the whole bunch of children. Part of his work in the church is to take children, bring them from home to church and Sunday school and programs like that. And here he is sharing um, Bible stories with, with new believers Bear in mind that he himself is a relatively new believer, and yet he's already sharing, discipling. Part of a discipling process is whatever you know, you share faithfully with others, and others will continue that interpretation of the gospel. And a lot of children you see, and this is the amazing story, there are more children in his church than adults. Same thing when I went to Baghdad in Iraq. There were 80 children in the church. Awana ministry there. The amazing ministry among the young people there, in, even in Iraq. And you see these children full of enthusiasm to learn more about Jesus. Planting the gospel in the tender heart of children is the greatest opportunity we have. They grow up in the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ. In time, they will become Followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe not all of them, but a significant number of them will remember the stories and follow Jesus. Uh, one of the projects that he just sent me is how do I feed in this crisis time my family? I want them to have some protein. He wants to have two cows, to buy two cows so that milk he can give to his congregation members. But he also wants to start a small cattle, beef cattle, raising, he wants to have 11 or 12 Beef cattle that he will raise and he will sell the meat meat and that's how he will uh, start a business enterprise that's the kind of a small business enterprise he believes in This is the ministry of Nabo uh, zainab this is the Kurdish couple uh, again once again uh, they are part of our seminary students uh, it's a, it's a new focus we are engaged in in the of crisis and I talked about how in the midst of all these crises, Nabo and Zainab have faithfully ministered and they have baptized 31 new people to Christ during the time of crisis. Here is some of the conversion stories of baptism that Nabo and Zainab are involved in. Um, just want to re- read a short passage uh, from John's Gospel, John 17, 6 to 12. It says, this is the prayer of Jesus Christ just before he was taken up. This is a prayer that he does with his disciples. This is, he, prays, he says, I have revealed you to those you have given me out of the world. You were, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew and certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. And they are yours. Jesus is talking about how God has entrusted him with the disciples. And his responsibility is how they in turn disciple others and kept safe. And verse 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Keep them safe. Protect them. You be their shepherd. And this is really happening in that part of the world. In the midst of all the good news of the progress of the gospel, there is also persecution. Persecution is part of the givenness of the Christianity. Not just we know that Jesus himself was persecuted. The very first disciple of of early church was Stephen. Stephen came from Jewish background. He was persecuted and killed. After that, many, many Jewish converts in Jerusalem church were also driven and killed. So martyrdom comes with Christianity in some part of the world more than other parts of the world. In fact, Pew uh, Research recently came up with numbers along with open doors. And there are 17,000 Christians who are martyred every year somewhere in the world, not just in the Islamic countries. There is harassment. There's a different kind of persecution. There is harassment. There's a persecution. There is even martyrdom. In 131 countries in the world, we see this, not just in the Middle East, maybe even parts of U.S. harassment. There are many parts of the world going through this kind of a persecution. We see it in Nigeria, in Boko Haram. We see it in ISIS in the Middle East. In different shades of forms, we are seeing persecution. But Jesus says, they are my disciples. I pray for them. And he's telling us, please pray for them. Please uphold them in your prayers, those who are taking the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ and making disciples so i want you to just briefly that we close with prayer i plead with you father that across the world as disciples are being made we ask you father to keep them safe that you would protect sanctify all the servants of God all across the world that they may continue to share the good news of Jesus with clarity, with conviction, with love that you are the way, the truth, and the life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.